0: Mm. Mm-hmm. you. This is Faith and Fable, a pastoral podcast where we discuss common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. I'm Lena.
1: I'm Matt Henry. I'm Matt Miller. And I'm Mark. And now we have dead air. Who's do, who's supposed to do the if thing? I intro, if I interrupt, you got to share. Chairman, come on, um, come on. All right, let's man. like, share, comment. Uh, it's been a while, guys. Luke wrote Hebrews. <laughs> it's been, it's, it's been a while. <laughs> everyone knows that Luke wrote Hebrews, <laughs> but everyone also knows they need to like, share, rate, review, tell all their friends about this podcast. If they if they like it or they don't like it, it doesn't matter. Just tell people about it.
0: Say, so go listen to these guys. I hate them, but go listen to them.
1: Yep. We really suck at this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm
1: telling you, I'm just doing it. I'm faithfully doing it. You That's are. what I'm doing it here. In fact, mm-hmm. you should be in bed right now, but you're up.
0: Talking about Satan. Because
1: Matt and I are getting squirrely and we're just rambling. That's right. So that's why we're going to talk about <laughs> Satan. So go yeah. ahead. All Take right. it away. So
2: we're, we're, um, we're still talking systematic theology one, and we're in the spiritual realm. Uh, so we did a three-part series on angels. And now we're going to talk about the doctrine of Satan, also known as...
1: Satanology. Satanology,
2: yeah. So this is going to be a short one, uh, but it's going to be just some introduction to the person of Satan and also some of his designations
1: throughout Scripture. And weirdly enough, this is one of my most favorite part of systematic theology of all of it. You like the devil, huh? I just think when we start hmm. cranking out all of his names... Not names, but his designations. Yeah, yeah. It, it it paints. Yeah, it, it's I a, did that
2: in a sermon once. I know. Yeah, and then we were, and then we were asked to do this. Yeah. So here we are. Um. So first, his personality
1: or his personhood. You want to say something about that? Well, apparently. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so his personhood is often denied. Uh, by people, uh, they're known as anti-supernaturalists. Actually, this is becoming more popular in the uh, evangelical church. Even um, they view the presence of the devil in the scriptures as simply a personification of evil, but it's a presupposition. It it's just simply ignoring the plain reading of the scripture. Uh, in reality, his personhood is evident in many ways. So, uh, one that way you'll see is that he plots. And you see in Job 1 and 2, um, where the whole story of Job is a product of Satan scheming and making plans for his own evil purposes um, and how God uses that and works that. Uh, But if you've never read it, you should go read it. It's fascinating.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, Laney, you want to read, though, also a passage out of 2 Corinthians?
0: Sure. One whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, I did it for your sakes in the presence of Christ so that no advantage would be taken of us by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes.
1: All right, so that's 2 Corinthians 2, uh, 10 through 11. Uh, The word there for schemes is, it's actually a word that speaks of plans or designs or strategies. But what's interesting is that Paul says in this context that we're not ignorant of these schemes, but as they relate to the necessity for forgiveness among the brethren uh, the implication is that the way he works his designs or his schemes within the church is actually through interpersonal realities such as bitterness resentment anger yeah. um and you know yeah I'll, so I'll so say. if you got
2: conflict there
1: for potentially to yep scheme of the devil he's working there among you so him. paul says be very quick to forgive yeah Short because accounts. you know that Satan is there trying to stir things up. And so when you say ripped apart church, all you're seeing is satanic work. Right, right. Uh, Then in Ephesians 6 through 11,
2: uh, it says, put on the full armor of God. Why? So that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Now, the word here for schemes um, is is the word that refers to plans that are crafty and deceptive. Uh, So a little bit different um, than the other one. Uh, the the idea is that he he labors to pull us into his plans, but through deception, uh, and so the result, of course, is that we unknowingly become accomplices in his efforts and work.
1: All right, so already we're though bucking up against something that's totally different than what you're used to hearing. When you think about Satan and the works of Satan, it's always got to do with you know great evil. Uh, people levitating, puking up yeah. pea soup, or
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: immorality or something, right? Head spinning. Right. Um, and and yet, it's actually very boring, run-of-the-mill kind of stuff. It's good old-fashioned false teaching and uh, bitterness. Yeah, yeah,
0: Yeah,
1: or divisiveness. Um, so, so the point that we're making here is that that's evidence of him as being, a person, then we're just going to kick out several other things. In 2 Corinthians 2, it speaks of his intelligence. Revelation 12, it talks about his him having emotion. In Jude 1, uh, it talks about his will. Uh, in Matthew 4, it talks about him speech uh, having speech or speaking. Um, and in Matthew 25, uh, it talks about him having a moral responsibility. So, all mm-hmm. of these are are evidences of him being a person. It's not just some evil presence.
2: Yeah. And then a final thing on his personality is it should be noted that from the outset, he's entirely characterized by pride. Right. Um, First Timothy three, six regarding the qualifications of an elder. He is not to be a new convert. Why? So that he will not become conceited and fall into the condemnation incurred by the devil.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: So pride is his M.O. Number three, his designations. Now these are the names.
1: And this is what you enjoy part, this. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like this part. Yeah.
2: Uh, so, so none of these are technical, um, but the first one, which perhaps is the most common is Satan. Um, again, it's not a proper name. Uh, in the Old Testament, there's 14 occurrences of Satan or Satan as it's pronounced. Uh, and they all carry the idea of adversary. That That's what Satan means. Um, so... Um, when, when referring to Satan, the article, the definite article, the, um, appears in the Hebrew. Uh, if it's not present, then it just refers to an adversary in general. general. Right. Right. Um, so you, you see examples of that accusing work, for instance, in Job one, six through nine, you see it in Zechariah three, one and two. Um, so his persona, uh, as the adversary is to accuse. Yeah. That's what he does. He's
1: the one who sets himself against you. Right. Um, In fact, that's
2: why when Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan, um, it's because he's opposing right now the the work of God that Christ was to go to the cross.
1: Um, So you see that idea there. And so the New Testament just picks that same idea up. Uh, with with the word, it, it actually uh, transliterates it as satanas. Uh, there are 35 times where this is used in the New Testament, and most of them uh, will refer directly to Satan. But there is that exception of in oh. Matthew 16, where he says, get behind me, Satan. And people say, see, he's being influenced by Satan, or he's under the control of Satan. But in reality, what he's just emphasizing there is because he's opposing Satan, Jesus' plan, he's functioning as his adversary, and and that's all he's calling him. Uh, We make far too more of that than we ought. Um, What's the next uh, designation? Yeah, you
2: have the devil or diabolos, um, where we get the term diabolical from. Right. Um, This is a term that should not be seen as a name, but rather a characteristic. Um, It's the idea of being one who plots wickedness. Um, in 34 of 38 occurrences in the New Testament, it refers to Satan. Um, with this one, the exception would be, if you care, John 6, 70, 1 Timothy 3, 11, 2 Timothy 3, 3, and Titus 2, 3. There will be a test. Yes. But uh, so 34 of the 38, though, refer to Satan, and it's uh, they're speaking of him as one who is plotting
1: wickedness. Now, we're, we're already saying something a little confusing. Uh, Because we're saying names, and then we're saying these are not actually names. And we're actually correct in the second one. We're using names in a very casual sense here. Um, Nowhere, you brought that out in your sermon uh, on Satan, um, that nowhere in the Bible is he ever actually named. Right. Uh, he's never even given that respect. Um, he, right. we, we only know him through these designations. We're going to just call them for the sake of sanity names. Right. But they're terms. But these are works that characterize yeah. his existence. So, so far already we know that this, this one who's the evil one, He's is defined as being our adversary. And he's defined as the one who is diabolical or plotting wickedness. Yeah. Um, and then we have a whole bunch of secondary terms.
2: Yeah. So uh, Beelzebel, Matthew 10, 25, Mark 3, 22, Luke 11, 15, uh, among others. Its basic meaning is master of the heavenly dwelling. That's kind of what it literally means. What's interesting is uh, the Latin and Syriac versions translated to mean master of flies.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, or lord of the flies. Yeah. 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 Um, and then you have Abaddon, which comes from the Hebrew root to uh, to perish or to destroy. Uh, it gets transliterated into Greek as Apollyon in Revelation uh, 9-11. So there it says, uh, they have as king over them the angel of the abyss. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in the Greek he has the name Apollyon. So here's another uh, idea of he's the one who causes things to be destroyed or to perish.
2: Yeah. Uh, Third, you have Belial or Belire. This appears in Judges 20, 13, 1 Samuel 10, 27, 1 Kings 21, 13, as as a proper name. Uh, The King James renders it as children of Belial. Uh, Nasb will say worse or worthless fellows. The RSV uh, translates it as base fellows. Um, and in Jewish apocalyptic writing, the term was used to describe Satan or the Antichrist. Um, and in fact, that's the the sense in which Paul uses it in 2 Corinthians 6.15, where he says, or what harmony has Christ with Belial, or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? And so he's just picking up on an Old Testament apocalyptic right. understanding there of right. this figure.
1: Now, there's also um, names that aren't his, but they be over... over the centuries they become terms that people think apply to Satan. Um, so, did we agree on how to pronounce this first one? Yeah, Azazel. Azazel. Uh, how did you say, Elena? Azazel. Uh, azazel. Azazel. <laughs> I've I've heard I've yeah, heard it several different ways. Yeah, Azazel. <laughs> um, anyhow, go ahead and explain that one.
2: Azazel. Um, okay, so the um, yeah, it's a term used in Leviticus sixteen eight through 10, and the key here is to understand that it's not being used as a proper name. So if you can get that, it'll make sense of the passage. So in Leviticus sixteen eight, eight, uh, it says, Aaron shall cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat.
1: And that's the word.
2: And scapegoat is the term Azazel, right? So so here there, there's two goats. Notice one functions as a sacrifice to Yahweh, um, signifying an appeasing of God's wrath also known as propitiation, and the other as a sacrifice to Azazel, uh, signifying the removal or the sending away of sin, commonly understood or referred to as expiation. expiation. Right. Now, the Hebrew word Azel means to go away. That's all it means. And so when it's combined with the word Az, which is the word for goat, uh, it makes the word Azazel. Uh, and so it's a term then that means nothing more than the, the goat of going out when you put it Literally, together. yeah. Yeah, or, <laughs> or quite simply the scapegoat. Um, so in, in some Jewish traditions, Azazel is sometimes understood to mean demon goat. Um, that is, it was a goat offered to a demon named Azazel. Um, and then in various Christian writings, it's understood to be a reference to Satan. And so you hear, here you even see a changing throughout right, the, right. the centuries. Uh, but both of those are wrong because the the term in no way here functions as a proper name um rather it's simply the idea of a scapegoat where the the priest would place his hand on the scapegoat you know of course symbolically showing the transfer of sin and then he would send it into the wilderness to signify that removal or that sending out of sin from the nation
1: pretty pretty cool picture yeah and it's also very fascinating it took two goats to accomplish the Christ, imagery yeah. of what Christ did in himself, too, but that's right, right. on the side. Yeah. So what's another one? Okay. The one that everyone thinks of is Lucifer. Right. It uh, comes from a translation out of Isaiah 14.12 uh, in the King James, and that's the important part. Um, Lena, you want to read the King James's version of Isaiah 14.12?
0: How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning?
1: All right. So uh, it comes from three Hebrew words. That means something along the lines of shiny one, son of the dawn, or boastful one, son of the morning. Um, and many have just assumed that the person described in Isaiah 14, this is where it gets hard because, and we're not going to get into this, um, in Isaiah 14, many people believe that it's referring to Satan, um, very popular Uh and, and in fact, it's almost impossible to convince a person who believes Isaiah fourteen is describing Satan um, that it's not talking about. But we would argue it's not talking about Satan. Um, nevertheless, Lucifer actually just comes from the Latin Vulgate. What's interesting about it is that the Vulgate also gives the same name to Christ in Second Peter one nineteen. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Yeah, yeah. And it's like you you should be kind of slow before you start assigning that. Um, And then so the Latin term was then later translated uh, or transliterated in a few English versions, most notably the King James as Lucifer. Um, But the whole debate gets rather complex and we're not going to get into it because we would go down the road that we'll never come back from. But suffice to say that the context actually demands in Isaiah 14 that the term be a reference to the king of Babylon. Right, right. Um, it's just poetic language. Um, the whole context is speaking of actual literal nations and kings. And so when you get to chapter 14, verse 12, you should understand it as a reference to a literal king, specifically the king of Babylon, um, if you're going to be faithful and consistent with their hermeneutics. Right. Nobody is reading something deeper or more spiritual in verse 11 or 13. Yeah. But right there, boom, right. off they go. all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, and so understand that Lucifer comes from a translation uh, in the King James, and it's actually a bad one, and it's not Satan's name. So stop using it.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, similarly, uh, in Ezekiel yeah. 28, 12 through 19, it's a passage that many understand as somehow describing Satan's fall. Um, again, the the arguments here are rather complex. Um, if you If you really want to know what they are, send a message to us and we'll actually... Send, for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we can send you some notes on that. Uh, but the key here, like like the previous one uh, that you just mentioned, is to keep a consistent her- hermeneutic. Um, if you keep a consistent hermeneutic, then there's no way to understand it as a reference to Satan. Uh, further, you have a you have to read a number of, of assumptions into the passage, and they're assumptions that have nothing to do with the greater context. Uh, so if you're familiar with that, Ezekiel 28, or not familiar... Um, don't worry about it. Right. If you, if you don't on. know what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, but if you always thought that it was a reference to Satan and you, and um, want to know the arguments as to why you shouldn't, understanding as a reference to Satan. Again, just send us a message. Um, but we're not going to draw it
1: out here. Yeah, it's way too tedious. And it also just goes back to a point that we, where we try to make in Word and also in practice in this podcast is so often what we do is as believers, we just grab a small portion of the scripture, rip it right out of its context, and then it takes on its own life. And once it gets repeated over and over and over again, it's like pulling teeth to get people to stick it back in its context. Right. Mm. And just let it say what it says. Um, and this is one of those big ones. I've, I've been yelled at. I've been cursed uh, when I tried to teach on this years ago. Mm. And it's like, Wow. I mean, you really want that to be Satan, don't you? But context doesn't allow it. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, descriptive titles.
2: Yeah. uh, First one is the evil one, Matthew 13,
1: 1939. Uh, The tempter. Uh, Matthew 4, 3, and 1 Thessalonians, well, that's hard for me to say tonight, First Thessalonians 3, 5. You got the ruler or prince of this world, John 12, 21, 14,
2: 30, 16, 11.
1: Uh, The ruler and prince of the power of the air in Ephesians 2, 2.
2: You have the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience,
1: Ephesians 2, 2. Uh, the ruler of the demons in Matthew 12, 24. The God of this evil age, 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. The accuser in Revelation
2: 12.10. The adversary or opponent, 1 Peter 5.8. Uh, the deceiver in Revelation 12.9. The enemy, Matthew 13, 25, 28, and 39. The murderer in John 8.44. And then the father of lies, John 8.44.
1: He's a lovely fellow.
2: Yep. <laughs> a lot of descriptions, though. Good grief.
1: Yeah, by the time you're finished with this guy, he's accusing, he's plotting, He's the liar, the murderer, the one that causes things to be destroyed, and on and on. Yeah, yeah. Then but, you got oh, go. Well, well no, you go got ahead. some
2: representations. In other words, just some, some graphic images that describe him, but also describe his character. Um, so you have the serpent, or in Hebrew, nachash, or afis in Greek. Uh, the context um, in, in which um, the devil is called a serpent... Um, always is describing his craftiness. Um, That's what the context there shows and why he's referred to as a serpent. So in Genesis 3.1, Lena, you want to read that one?
0: Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden?
2: Yeah, and then 2 Corinthians 11.3
0: But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ.
2: Yeah. So, so that's not to say that Satan didn't actually take on the form of a literal snake in the garden. We're not saying that, but it does function to show um, the craftiness in his deception. He, he deceives with shrewdness and skill and both those
1: passages show that. Do you think, I'm just curious. Do you think that that was a snake? Because the word is serpent. for serpent. Yeah. Um, and the reason I ask is the next graphic image the Bible gives is he's shown to be dragon. the dragon. He
0: was a dinosaur. <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> or, or a bird. Uh, never mind. Oh, that's <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, everyone's low, like, wait, wait, we want to know. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. no, you don't. Um, the term has a definite mythological associations with the dragon, uh, but it's found 13 times in Revelation 12 and 13. Uh, it's only used in reference to Satan. And I'm one of those strange ones who actually believe that in some way, shape, or form, dragons existed. Nobody else is going to say anything. I,
0: right? think they pro- I think, well, you know, I don't think dinosaurs existed, so I'm strange too.
2: You don't think really? What? No. Have you talked about this in your marriage?
0: <laughs> no, probably not.
1: <laughs> All right, you guys, we gotta end this right now.
0: <laughs> not the way that uh, we uh, think they look.
1: Oh well, that, that's well, a it, separate it, thing. That's yeah. Are you
2: talking because they find like one bone?
0: Find like, like a tooth, and, and, they're and then like, they
2: like build a whole creature around yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, sure. You got the mm. Leviathan, Isaiah 27, one. you <laughs> You're bringing
0: this back. <laughs>
1: oh, We're going to keep going. Like, Mark's got to go to bed. I, I like Another you,
0: yeah. type of dinosaur, Leviathan. Yeah. Okay.
1: Uh, you have the angel of light in Second Corinthians 11.14, which is kind of cool because it speaks again of his uh, the nature of his deception. Um, when, when a person is being deceived by Satan, he doesn't actually know he's being deceived. And that's the thing. Right.
2: Yeah, everyone who says, oh, you know, I've, I've encountered the devil, or, it's like, except you don't know when you have, and you don't know you're being deceived by him.
1: And this is going to get into a cross pollination on our issue of gifts. We're talking about tongues in other podcasts, and uh, when you have people who are claiming all of a sudden that God has shown them, and I'm like, dude, if you're outside of the Scripture— um right, right, you know you have no ability to know if you're being deceived or not, but yeah. that's a separate issue again um so understand that he also functions in that sense uh, an angel of light
2: yeah um you you got a roaring lion, first peter five eight through nine, and then possibly a fallen star revelation nine right,
1: right, you can't be certain though um. So these are the the many kinds of designations you're going to find in the Bible about them. Um, but the point to understand is none of them are a proper name yet again. Uh, the fact that Satan is never actually given a name by God in the Bible because he's not worthy of a name. And so he has none. Yeah. Um, instead, he's that ancient foe of God and God's people. Uh he's the one whose entire existence is one of opposition and destruction to the plans and purposes of God. And so he's con- constantly given these titles and descriptions that fit that character and they're not good. No, no. So this is
2: our introduction to Satan. Um, next time we'll talk about the outline of his career. Uh, we'll get, then give a survey of his program, that is his plots and his schemes and the entire nature of his deceptions uh, in redemptive history. Uh, We're going to talk about his powers, but also his limitations. And then we'll give some um, very basic counsel regarding attitudes and thoughts that Christians ought to have toward Satan. Um, But until then, make sure to tune in, join the conversation, let us know what you think, and don't forget to like, share, comment, rate, and review, and tell all your friends.